This is episode 82 of Offscript with Trish Glose, intimate interviews with interesting people in front of my microphone today. I have Lindsay McPhail. Hello, Lindsay. Hello. I found you because I found this magazine, nice. The Wild Woman. Yes. Which is actually, the name is changing. It is changing to The Outsider in June, but yeah, we've been Wild Woman since 2018. I so. love it. We're going to talk a lot about the magazine. We're going to talk a lot about The Outsider, which has become my new favorite coffee stand. Yay. Because it's right around the corner. Yes. I don't have to get out of my car. <laughs> and your cold brew is legit. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm a connoisseur of cold brew. Oh, wow. I Well, I say that. A lot of them are too bitter for me. Yeah. Yeah, this is – I. it's smooth. I, mm-hmm. I don't drink a lot of cold brew because it makes me jittery, but – that's why I like it. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like it. So if anybody has ever seen me at five o'clock and they're like, whoa, she's a lot today. <laughs> it's because I've had your cold brew nice. coffee at 2.30. That's good to know. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, where are you from originally? Here. I was born at Rogue Valley Hospital. No way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So you've lived here all your life, or did you leave and yeah, come back? Um, we left uh, in the early 2000s for mm-hmm. a few years. Um, we worked with Sparrow Club, so we mm-hmm. were starting Sparrow Clubs in Portland, and then we came back after two of our boys were diagnosed with autism. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about that, too. Uh, what was your childhood like? Is this was, Medford? You were lived yeah. in Medford. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Medford schools, and it was great. I have a big family. I'm in the middle of five, and we have a lot of surrounding family here, so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up here, a lot of kids, probably even now, like, it's just like you think about, you can't wait to get out of here, but we had a great childhood. We camped and mm-hmm. we're outdoors a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived on the property that my family lives on now. So it's just, Aww. you know, we're always around family. So I would say it was an amazing okay. childhood. Middle of five kids. Uh-huh. What The oldest, how many years apart is the oldest? Uh, seven. Whoa. Yeah. And the youngest? Is five years younger than me. Good so, grief. Yeah. Your parents had their hands full. Yeah. What was that like growing up with uh, we four were, other siblings? Yeah, we were rough and tumble. So um, my brothers were probably more mellow, but the three of us girls were, okay. uh, we were diehard. I mean, we had like BB gun wars and fist wow. fights. I nice. don't know. We love each other now. We're totally good friends now. But. Well, I think <laughs> that's just it, though, when you're sibling. I, I feel like that kind of toughens you up a little bit when oh, you have, yeah. you know, when you have siblings who are rough with you. Yeah. It, it, it definitely um, it definitely makes you, you tough. So two boys, three girls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Are you close now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, all of us are. We love each other. We made it through. <laughs> That's what gives me hope with my boys as they're fighting. I'm like, okay, uh, my siblings are my best yeah. friends. So hopefully that will carry well, through. And I know, too, just having an older brother, there were moments growing up with him where it's you you hated them like we hated each other like it was real it was strong and now obviously I mean we love each other but it's just siblings and the dynamic between siblings is always Mm -hmm. kind of interesting to me and then the girl thing with the sharing clothes and the bathroom Mm -hmm. that always added an extra level of Mm -hmm. so who were the two oldest was it the two boys or was it no their boys kind of sandwiched the girls in got you okay so you had an older sister Mm -hmm. and did you steal her clothes all the time. Right. Like and that all the time. drove her crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Where'd you go to high school? Crater. Crater yeah. High School. Star Farmer my senior year. You were what? My uh, Star Farmer for FFA. Star Farmer. Yes. What does it mean to be a Star <laughs> Farmer? I don't know. I was just in FFA and someone nominated me, but I was a livestock judge and raised beef and Look sheep. at you. Yeah. So you were one of the FFA kids mm-hmm. at the fair? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's always been really interesting to me, talking to these kids who have raised, whether it's a cow or a pig, and then you go to the fair and you sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a whole, I think your first year, I think I started when I was in fourth grade. So the first year is always the hardest, but as you grow and you learn like this is, this is how we eat meat, that where do you think the meat from our, yeah. our in our grocery stores mm-hmm. comes from? So you kind of learn that whole thing. And um, for us, it was just knowing like, ethically, we raise these animals and we love them and we mm-hmm. cared for them. Um, so because there's the far side of that where they're not treated ethically and very true so for us that was what was kind of ingrained into us is that we were we were working hard and we were also producing something that was like an actual thing that someone was going to eat and it was going to help someone so yeah because i mean that first animal that you auctioned off Uh was that brutal 
Yeah, it was a sheep. So the sheep are kind of a smaller, and it, I mean, um, sheep are not the smartest animals. It's not like a dog where you're like, there's that companionship because mm-hmm. sheep just do what they want. So it, <laughs> it's a little hard there. Like sometimes we were relieved at the end of the project to have it done, but, um, <laughs> but it was, it was a hard, um, I think all of my friends who did it, we all ended up crying right after the auction because yeah. it's like so final. Yeah. So, well, yeah. and you're, you're fairly close with this animal, right? Mm-hmm. For months at a yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've always wondered that. And these kids are amazing and they take, um, it, it's a huge responsibility. Yes. And so at the end of it, it's admirable. I, I just, I mean, I've, I've always wondered that though, if it's really hard for the kiddos. It is until you get into the mindset of, if I'm doing this, I'm learning about food production and mm-hmm. agriculture. And so we're not doing it to make a fluffy friend. You're doing mm-hmm. it because you're interested in that industry. And I feel like I did sports and lots of leadership activities, but that was the thing I feel like that set me apart of um, knowing that I wanted to be a leader, knowing that I could do hard things because mm-hmm. it wasn't just hard in terms of the emotional, like, man, I have to give this thing up. But, you know, you're out feeding at five in the morning and five right. at night, no matter what the weather is. And mm-hmm. on your summer break, um, you have to sacrifice a lot to do that. So my hope is that one of my boys will want to do that. But mm-hmm. so far... Um, None of them are really into animals. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you, you may have said this, did you grow up on a farm? Um, I did. We grew up back and forth between town and the property we live on now. Okay. Um, but I kept it at a friend's house in Central Point. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. So in high school, who was your crew? I didn't have a crew crew. I mean, I was in FFA, but I kind of was just friends with everyone. I hmm. also worked 40 hours a week, most of my high school. So What? Um, you worked 40 hours a week. Between 30 and 40, yeah. So I, um, you know, I didn't, I just Where did you work in high school? Oh, I had a lot of jobs. I worked for a sign company, a bank, a delivery person, um, then always babysitting or. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, hauling hay. Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm a, I think I was programmed like just in my DNA. I like, I like to be busy. I like to work. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was also always on the honor roll and stuff. So between FFA and school and work, I, I had friends, mm-hmm. um, and I'm still friends <laughs> with a lot of them, but um, I didn't, like, just have, you know, have one group of friends. Right. So, yeah. um, hair flip a little bit. <laughs> On a roll, 40 uh, hours a week. Yeah, working. but, you know, I think we all learn at some, I think, obviously, part of my identity at that point was mm-hmm. being an overachiever and mm-hmm. the accolades you get from mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. For sure. And I thought that's where my identity lied. So it's taken, you know, a nice... 20 years afterward to break that. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure. Uh, my first job was at a Chili's restaurant Oh yeah, in Las Vegas. And I think I got hooked on working when I got my paycheck. Mm. And I didn't even make that much. I mean, I think it was probably even below minimum wage. But when you're 16, it's a yeah. lot of cash. Yeah. And it's awesome. And then even in college, I had three jobs at one point just because I wanted money. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know. I had a I had a great wardrobe back then. So <laughs> I'll say that. That's awesome. What did you do after high school? Um, I went to Chile for six months on a service mission and basically cleaned toilets and dug ditches for six months. Wow. Worked in an inner city soup kitchen, which was life changing. Now, how did that come about? Um, I just wanted to, I wanted to get out of here. Like, um, and I had plans to go to college, but I wasn't really ready to go back to school. So, Mm -hmm. um, my pastor had a friend and South America and he hooked me up and I was younger than a lot of the interns they would normally take. So, um, yeah, I just, I spent six months in the outskirts of, um, Santiago. Wow. And cleaning toilets. What toilets were you cleaning? You don't even want to know. All the toilets? Yeah. Just at the church and then, uh, like it, um, I feel like they just looked at me as the toilet person because, like, they're like, oh, there's a toilet. She will do it. So um, did a lot of sweeping. Anywhere uh, there was a toilet, I feel like I cleaned it. Okay. Um, so, All right. Yeah, it's good. Hard work. I will say this. There's something very satisfactory about cleaning a toilet. Yeah. A really disgusting toilet mm-hmm. under under the rim. That's a, that's a big <laughs> one. When you clean that and you flush and you mm. see all this stuff come out, mm. it's it's sad for me at least. It's very <laughs> satisfactory. Yeah, I think I was 
so this was right after high school, pre-kid, pre-anything. So I was more just like, just get it done, just get yeah, it done. So. Right. And then you said you worked in an inner city soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we served breakfast and lunch, and um, that I'm trying not to cry because it was life changing. How just, so? I was going to ask you. Um, so. I always wonder how much to share. Like I grew up having, um, I had an eating disorder. So um, seeing these kids, like just something switched in me. I'd been in therapy on and off just, you know, to deal with it. And seeing these kids who had nothing and they were so full of joy and literally filthy and you can see stuff crawling in their hair, but, and hungry, they were hungry. So they were at the soup kitchen twice a day but just the most amazing kids. And I'm like, oh my word, you know, I'm sitting here um, binging and purging and they are just, Mm -hmm. they just want this little, I don't even know what we were serving them, you know, but Mm -hmm. they were so happy to have it. And something in my brain clicked at that moment and I never struggled with it again. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was truly, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but it was just something in the combination of the kids and what we were doing that it just was like, switch something in me that that experience potentially maybe saved your life oh yeah yeah it was um in maybe physically but definitely emotionally I felt like that was the the thing that set me on the trajectory to really start loving myself and Mm -hmm. kind of you know grow just emotionally so was it the comparison of like here are these children they're struggling. They have a lot less than yeah. I do. And they were so happy. So happy. Yeah, because, you know, like eating disorders is, I mean, it's a little about the weight, but there's so much. There's so knee. much happening yeah. up here. I've actually had two friends, very close friends, who uh, struggled with bulimia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so interesting because, you know, watching them eat was one thing. And then after we found out that this existed within mm-hmm. them, it was just like, whoa, light bulb. Mm -hmm. It's like everything makes sense now. Mm -hmm. And the binging part, I mean, I I was shocked at how much Mm -hmm. they were eating. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going, this just doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. to me. But it's a real real thing, Um, whether it's um, bulimia or anorexia. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. these, and as you said, it's not so much about the eating part, but Mm -hmm. it's all up here. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, the state of, I, I struggled with depression for a long time. And I just think something in seeing the genuine joy that these kids had and how they just, they, Mm -hmm. every morsel of food was just so um, treasured and precious. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it was probably timing a bit of obviously the spiritual stuff that was going on and then just seeing them um, that contrast. So when you're there, you're what, 18? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or 19, I think, yeah. So how long were you bulimic? How long did you struggle with that? Oh, uh, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade, I think. So. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it had been a thing on and off for a long time. Um, like I said, I'd been in therapy. I'd been on antidepressants. I mm-hmm. think that was before they realized, you know, the whole don't yeah. take antidepressant thing when you're a kid. But yeah. um, Where do you think that came from? Do you think it was um, like a you just didn't was it something that when you looked in the mirror you didn't like what you see oh, you saw yeah, or definitely didn't okay. not at all but also I think um actually one of my brother's girlfriends was over one day and um I wasn't feeling well mm-hmm. and she was like oh I know how I don't know how graphic you want to be but just be like, as graphic okay. as you want it's so, totally fine um, she was just like oh if you're not feeling good I could show you how to make yourself throw up and that was, I feel like it was fourth or fifth grade. Uh, I have it written down somewhere. But um, anyway, so from that point on, mm-hmm. I, it, you know, it just kind of clicked. Like, yeah. I never liked how I looked. Um, and I had this perfect little body. It wasn't about that. It yeah, was just yeah, this yeah. distorted view. Was it also, too, just from what I've read, it, it's also a control thing. It's something oh, that you have control over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Wow, Lindsay. Um, yeah. Wow. So. But at 18, after when you're there, mm-hmm. all of that changed? All of it. Like, I can honestly say from that day forward, when that click happened, like, I never, ever mm-hmm. engaged in that. And not that I haven't, like, um, had self-deprecating thoughts or, like, mm-hmm. want to lose weight. But it's it's a whole different ball game than um, I really feel like right. it's almost a disease in your head. It so, is. Yeah. It is a disease. It absolutely. Yeah. And it just – it falls under um, – mental health, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, the episode, 
probably she was episode 80. Andrea Childreth, who mm-hmm. wrote the book On the Edge uh, mm-hmm. about her daughter's struggle with mental wow. health. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think all of that falls together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not, we have to be, we have to be really good up here to take mm-hmm. care of everything else. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I know that there are young girls who struggle with that. There's mm-hmm. women who struggle oh, with that. Yes, you know, we look yeah. in the mirror and we just, a lot of times we don't like what we see. Mm-hmm. I always tell my husband, I'm like, sweetie, I need to lose a few pounds. And he's like, okay, let's do it. Let's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go out to a restaurant and I'm like, I'll take some French fries, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. Fries are my weakness. Oh, French yeah. fries are my weakness, especially good ones. So you're in Chile for six months. Mm-hmm. Okay. What comes after that? You come um, home? I did. I came home and um, I was just a different person. And um, so I, the plan was to go to college mm-hmm. afterward. And I came back and went to RCC for a little bit. But um, I was going to go down to Southern California to go to college. And I had actually blown through, it's a long story, but blown through my college, everything I had saved for college in Chile. And um, it happens. Yes, it does. It does. So um, <laughs> I was working actually at Malelo downtown. Mm-hmm. And um, my now husband walked in and it was just like, I just, I knew I ended up going to, he was a college uh, pastor at the time. So I went to his group, long story long, but there, I was supposed to be going back to South America because I decided school wasn't for me. I had a girlfriend with family in Argentina. Mm -hmm. We were just going to go, you know, kind of do our thing. Yeah. We were going to buy plane tickets um, the next morning, but the night before we went to this college group and I had seen my husband before, but I'd never really talked to him. Okay. And I heard him speak and he was talking about dreaming and all this stuff. And I, from that moment on, we got in the car and I said, I'm going to marry him. And this was before like Facebook or like, you know, you could okay. stalk online. <laughs> um, I wasn't, yeah. So I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to go buy the plane ticket because I'm marrying that guy. And so three months later we started dating um, three months later, I asked him to marry me. And then three Shut months later, we got married. So, up. Yeah. Okay, we got to back up. <laughs> You're at Malelo's. He walks in. Is he older or younger than you? He's a little bit older. Okay. Yeah. Um, he walks in. Is it just the way he looked at first? No, Your husband's name is CJ. CJ. Yeah, yes. Um, I don't know. It was just, of course, that. But just um, he was with some friends of mine. And I don't know. I just felt drawn to him. Okay. Yeah. I, I absolutely get that. And so with these friends, I mean, did you just after that, because obviously you were like, I got to find out where this guy mm-hmm. is. Oh, I drove by his work like every day. I had his phone. What out. a stalker. <laughs> no, serious. It was real stalking because now you just hop online, but yeah. you couldn't do that back then. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then finally one day we had his roommate was friends with my friend and we all kind of went out in this huge group. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, we went to dinner or something, and I think we were connected every single day from that time on. So when did you hear him speak? You said he was a youth pastor? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I didn't hear him. So I saw him come in Malelos, and I was, like, drawn to him, but I okay. still didn't know okay. who he was or where he worked. So then I go to this college group not even knowing that he was the youth pastor. Mm, I love just, it when that happens. Yeah. And just hearing him talk about, um, it's still one of our favorite things to do is dream together. So it's just something that he was saying. Mm. Just I was like almost crying because I'm like, I know that you're the one. I mean, that sounds wow. a little that does Man. Sound stalkery. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, you're still together, right? <laughs> yes, 20 years. Exactly. So, yeah. so something. You you were right about that. Um, but he just, he just kind of hit you in the gut, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that when, um, especially as a teenager or a young a young adult, when you run into someone, you run into your crush and you look really good, mm. you're just like, yeah, mm. I look really good today, mm. and I ran into my crush. I don't think I ever just that's what I to think our about. last conversation. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I ever remember thinking I look good. <laughs> I, I well, kind of slunked everywhere, but yes. I don't think it mattered because you were going to marry this guy yes. no oh, matter what. exactly, yeah. So you were, and your friend, were supposed to go to Argentina, mm-hmm. and you just said, after you met CJ, you mm-hmm. were just like, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't even know my name at that point, so. Um. He knows all this now, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So I went home and told my mom, like, I met the guy, and she was relieved because she did not want me going back down um, mm. 
So in this case, so. a guy that you wanted to marry was actually like really good news yes. for the oh, family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you asked him to marry you. Uh-huh. How did you do that? Uh, we were, I, we actually went to Colorado to meet his family and we were four wheeling along the White River and we're sitting there eating lunch. And I was like, so are we going to get married? And uh, oh I had like, I'm like, why don't we just, you know, hit a chapel when we go through Reno on the way home? But do not waste any time, Lindsay. <laughs> So, what a nerd. I mean, really. Uh, yeah. So, so three months. Yes. So were you essentially engaged at this point? Uh, he made me wait because he wanted to ask um, my parents permission. And it took okay. forever. Like every nice night day. I'm like, okay, come on, are we doing it? And then he, of course, took me to the coast and it was sunset on a rock. I'm like, it was beautiful. But I just wanted my, I wanted to like. Yeah, you're ready. Yeah. You I make ready a decision to go. and I'm ready to go. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, he is a romantic to the core and I'm kind of not I mean I I appreciate it but that's mm-hmm. not how my brain functions so um. I'm exactly the same way I think romance is kind of barfy yeah, like I, too, but... I just like the googly eyes and yeah. the staring and the I love I just like <laughs> bleh, like let's go get a I burger do, and just hold hands for him I know like when he like he's pretty amazing he even now like will send me those texts and I my head just doesn't go like I don't think to do that mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. but I do appreciate how amazing he is. So, so okay, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take back my last comment. I okay. do appreciate when my husband tells me those things yes. that he's proud of me yes. and that mm-hmm. he that he thinks I'm the most beautiful woman on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like I could listen to that yes. all day long. Yes. But I think the like gushy yes. romance stuff yeah. is just like yeah. a little barfy. Yeah. Oh, but I'm right there with you. I hear yeah. you. So I yeah. get that. Yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have been married for 20 years. Mm-hmm. When? 19-ish. So you were married? 2000. Okay. September 2000. Where'd you get married? Uh, Table Rock Fellowship. Had our reception down here. It was Red Lion. Now it's in at the Commons. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, when did you have your first kid? Not till 2005. Awesome. Sawyer. Yeah, we waited, traveled a little, and perfect. Yeah. Um, so your your gut on CJ was absolutely right. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you guys obviously are still super happy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. So. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about 2011, Extreme mm-hmm. Home Makeover, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people in this area that's how they know you. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. your husband. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, let's back up just a wee bit. So. Uh, CJ, and correct me if I'm wrong, you too, uh, mm-hmm. Sparrow Club. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about Sparrow Club. There's Sparrow Clubs across the country. Mm-hmm. So is this was this sort of like, I don't want to say the word franchise, but it was mm-hmm. essentially starting the clubs here? Yeah. So they had one region in Central Oregon. Okay. Um, and we fell in love with it because CJ was a youth pastor. We did a Sparrow Club in his youth group with 200 kids, and it wrecked them in the best way. It was... It was insane. Uh-huh. And so we went to Jeff Leland um, at that time. He was the director. And we just said, like, we'll scrub toilets. We'll do whatever. Like, we just have She's to be really good at scrubbing exactly. toilets. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so CJ started. I worked for a couple more years and wrote grants for my position. But CJ started. And with a, you know, we had a board down here. And mm-hmm. lots of people were instrumental in bringing it. Um, we just got to kind of help lead the way. So. so- for those who don't know what Sparrow Club is, um, explain it. It's kids helping kids in medical needs. So basically mm-hmm. a group of kids like a school or a club will adopt mm-hmm. a local child with a debilitating disease or a, like a life-threatening illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do community service hours sponsored by a local business mm-hmm. um, that raises money for the family. So it's service learning and character education for the kids doing the work. Yeah, And it's really... Um, so much support and love for the family because we actually turned around and then we're a Sparrow family after we left Sparrow Club. So yeah. we were on both sides of it and it's pretty magical. And this could be anything from if there's outstanding bills, medical bills, mm-hmm. or the child needs maybe a new wheelchair. Yeah. It's- or it can be like living expenses, um, mm-hmm. mortgage. I think we paid our mortgage with it, um, groceries, anything mm-hmm. like that, gas. And if you're a local reporter, I don't know how many times I've been on a Sparrow Club story yeah. where the kids are doing a jogathon and they're raising money for their fourth grade schoolmate. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. It's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, we love it. So you said you were, you guys were a Sparrow family. Mm-hmm. How so? So we, uh, 
we grew Sparrow Clubs here and then we left to go to Portland. Mm -hmm. And that was 2008. The bottom dropped out. Everyone in Sparrow Clubs was laid off. And we actually, um, we just decided to go ahead and move to a different career, which did not pan out. And we lost everything. So we had three boys at the time. One was a newborn. Our oldest son, Sawyer, had been diagnosed with autism. And we knew that our second son, Thatcher, was about to be. So we move home. We have nothing, no job. We're living with my parents. And um, Matt, uh, who runs it now, was one of our great friends. We hired him. And he just asked if Sawyer would want to be a sparrow for autism awareness. Mm. And so Hedrick Middle School adopted him. And it was... It was awesome. Yeah. What did they do for him? Um, I, you know, they raised the, the, I think at that point it was $2,560, which was actually really big for us. And we were able to pay um, our mortgage for our house in Portland and some groceries. But for him and what they did as a family for us mm-hmm. was that it was just, we had been, um, we'd been asked to leave a lot of places because of Sawyer and his, um, at that point he couldn't. He just was so out of it. He wasn't himself. He was like a different person. So he was really violent and just a hard kid. Right. And people don't understand yes. what's so happening. So then to be embraced by ah. this school, it was just, it you, was. You weren't alone. Exactly. Yeah. And at that point, we were so low because we didn't have jobs. And we left here on a high note and we came back and it was just like, you know, we were broken. And so I feel like Sparrow was that first thing that really mm-hmm. showed us that we're loved and we're not alone. And so. kind of welcome home, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a hard, it was, it was humbling. Yeah. In so many ways. So. You left for Portland. What year was it? Oh, 2008, I, I think you said? No, I think it was 2006. And you guys go yeah. up there to start Sparrow Clubs up there, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't work out. Well, it, we started it, but then in 2008, mm-hmm. when um, ah. the economy hit, yes. our national sponsors pulled out. Yeah. And so everyone was laid off, but we had a brand new baby and two other kids. And so we just thought, um, we're just going to try something new. And so that's when we parted with Sparrow on really great terms. Sure. Um, but we just kind of moved on and. Um, and just one thing after another yeah. just didn't. Okay. Yeah. And so when you said you guys were kicked out of places, do you mean like restaurants and stuff? Um, maybe churches. Churches. Uh, that, was gonna like, next, that was going to be my next. That was going to be my next. It wasn't like you're not welcome here, but it was like, if you want to be here, you have to be with your son twenty four seven. Which I he just had needs that they sure. they couldn't handle. But we were so hurting and broken, and we had no family. This was in Portland. Portland. Um, I think it was like three churches. So yeah, um, and yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you you are a fairly religious family. I don't think I'd say religious, but we love God, and um, yeah, we're, we're but but a ch- yeah. but going to a church is like it's not to be cheesy. It's point, a sanctuary. Yeah, it's sure. a place where yeah, you yeah. can go and yeah. And so the fact that you're getting kicked out by a mm-hmm. church, and mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. It's yeah. not like they're saying we don't we don't want your kind here, yeah. but. I think when people understand, especially autism or Mm -hmm. mental illness or, you know, anything like that Mm -hmm. that's happening, um, Andrea, I'm going to go back to her. She said, kids don't want to be bad. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be bad. So I think, but the rest of society, we don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. It's inconvenient. It's messy. It's it's obnoxious. Yes, exactly. Your kid's being annoying. Yeah. Please shut your kid up. Yeah. It's that kind Mm -hmm. of mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, it's, I know that sounds harsh, but that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. And then we, but then we came back here and it was, you know, this was our family. So we had mm-hmm. people step up and say, Hey, I'll just sit just one-on-one. So you and CJ can go in and just, mm. um, it was just, it's amazing. And, um, we have a great church family now. And I think a lot of, you know, that was back before the explosion of, special needs stuff and so now a lot of churches are way more equipped to handle that um a lot of places in general but um i think a lot of humans are more equipped with yeah the more we talk about it i mean you know especially when you see you see a child on an airplane for instance Mm -hmm. and they're being incredibly loud Mm -hmm. you know i think a lot of us we instantly go oh great and then it's that second coming back to it go oh wait maybe there's something going on yeah yeah so I always think there's something going on, whether adult or kid. I'm like, oh, 
she's on the spectrum. Oh, I think yeah. I think almost everybody's on the spectrum. In I some do too. Way, but, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. So, I mean, what what a welcome home. Obviously, you come back and um, Sparrow Club takes you in mm-hmm. as a family. Mm-hmm. So all that love that you mm-hmm. guys had been giving out to all mm-hmm. those families is now coming back to you. Yeah, it was. That's amazing. karma. Yeah, it was. Um, just like the house, like so amazing. There's not even words, but it's, I, I truly, for the first time realized what the word be to like to be humbled meant. Mm. And it's like fighting the shame of the fact that we need this, but also so grateful for yeah people who are just genuinely yeah. kind. It's hard to ask for help when you've never had so, to do it yeah. before. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. It's really hard mm-hmm. to go that, mm-hmm. go I think that it's route. It's hard no matter how many times you have to ask for it because mm-hmm. it's just it's saying in some fashion like I can't do this myself mm-hmm. and if you're a go-getter and someone who's very self-sufficient mm-hmm. it's like there's something wrong with me because I can't do this myself but we weren't designed to do it all ourselves so. Is, do you think there's a feeling of failure there too oh yeah and shame and all that stuff but I think you know we've we've hit the bottom so many times and popped back up that I it's actually a blessing because I've been able to deal with mm-hmm. the lies and the shame and all of that garbage that comes with, it's okay. You're not bad because you have to ask for help or you're right. in a place where you need it. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is probably now a good time to mm-hmm. talk about Extreme Home Makeover. Sure. Were you guys nominated? How does mm-hmm. that work? Um, Matt, so the same guy who runs Sparrow Clubs, uh-huh. um, we had worked with with ABC Extreme Makeover in Corvallis with one of our sparrows there. So they had already okay. um, ha- done a sparrow show. And so they had contacted Matt, who was the director at that, or he still is, um, and said, hey, we want to do a show in Southern Oregon. Do you have a sparrow family? And so we were one of the names that Matt gave him. Perfect. And we had to do, it was like all summer it felt like a 40 hour a week job. Like they had to know, they had to have all of our financials and taxes and medical records and interviews and mm-hmm. know about all of our family. Mm-hmm. It's, there's so much that you don't realize goes into. Oh, I'm sure. It's part of it too. They want to make sure whatever home they build for this family that you guys can um, keep the home afterwards, like I pay the taxes on a, it. That became a thing. Um, so yeah. because by that point, we had been out of work, but by that point, my husband had a really good job at, um, with Asante. And so they, at, I remember talking to one of the producers and she said, if we didn't have that job, we probably wouldn't have been in the running because mm. it makes them look really bad when you lose your house. Have this big, beautiful yes. home and the family can't yes. afford to stay exactly. in it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Which then on the back end, we had people saying, but he has a good job. They don't deserve it. But you don't see... Um, you don't see all the behind-the-scenes stuff that exactly goes into it. So. Exactly, that makes yeah. me roll my eyes. Um, what was your house? What was your house like? What, what were the living conditions? And this was on the property that your family grew mm-hmm. up on. Okay. Yeah. So it was my 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 grandfather, great grandfather, built the house we were in. Aww. Um And it was just a mid-century modern cinder block. So it's run down house. Yeah. Um, lots of mold. Lots of. We didn't realize. I think it took like three and a half minutes. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it was three and a half minutes flat for that. For them to flatten it, like because it was just, it was ready to come oh down. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, but we were so grateful for it. Like after of living course. with my parents for nine months, we move into that, and it was, it was heavenly. yours. Yeah, exactly. it was yours. Yeah. Um, what was the biggest thing about that house that you just, especially as a mom of three mm-hmm. boys, you're just mm-hmm. like, we can't this, we can't live here. Mm-hmm. Um, well. Man, there were so many. I mean, was uh, it? I mean, mold obviously is super mold, scary. Yeah, but the um, it had these like floor to ceiling because I think it was built in '57. Okay, so it was floor to ceiling, huge glass windows, um, which weren't what is it like tempered? Yes. So one of the boys had already hit one with a golf club. So there was like <laughs> this huge thing that I'm like, it's gonna come off and decapitate one of the kids. Like, yeah, that's can't. scary. So we just had, and we couldn't afford to replace it because it's huge. Yeah. So we just had duct tape along it. But um, then with the windows, it was like if the wind blew and we were on top of a hill, so you could just, you could feel the wind somehow through mm. the windows. It was mm. just not efficient. There was actually holes from the inside to the outside in the brick. Um, frogs would get in all the time. Different man. Stuff, Man, so. you were, you needed a new house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when did you find out they were you were picked? 
that morning. It was r- the real deal. Like they tell you there's five families. Mm-hmm. If you hear a door knock, then you're the one chosen. So we had been sitting for like an hour, all of us in the back bedroom. They Just hanging out? Yeah, they tape off all the windows and they say, we do this to all five families. Well, we found out later there's not really five families. Like they knew, they knew uh, we were the ones. Sneaky. Yeah. So they... We heard a knock on the door, and we thought um, one of the producers came in and said, uh, one of your family members is here. You have to tell them to go away because it could be whatever. So I ran out, and the door knock was Thai. So it's like it's truly. They really surprise you. Yeah. yeah. Did you pee your pants? Uh, almost. I cried. The, I'm a crier, clearly, but I cried the entire time. Uh, yeah. I wasn't going to say anything. It's okay. You're, you're allowed to be a crier. Mm-hmm. I'm a crier, too. I'm a big crier. <laughs> Happy, sad, whatever. So I think you've only cried like twice so far. So far, 10 minutes in. Okay. (laughs) The podcast is still young. I should have told you that before. I should have brought some Kleenex for you. Um, Where do you guys go while they're building? Uh, We went to Hawaii. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, it was was cool. But I will say, um, you know, our kids have autism. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything had to be a big surprise and where it's all changed. So, and it was filming like 13 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't probably as yeah. glam. I mean, they didn't show any of our meltdowns. We couldn't even do the surfing for autism segment because my kids were like scream, like they're screaming, they were done. So the show was like, oh yeah, we're going to show autism. We're going to show autism. But then they didn't. So then mm-hmm. we got hammered on the back end because they only showed like the highlight reel of our kids and they didn't show, you know, them slamming themselves up against the walls and like out of it screaming, crying, mm. which was a lot of our time in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> Are all three autistic? No, I have four and our older two. Oh, four, two, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Our older two are on the spectrum. Um, Sawyer's probably the most affected. Thatcher, we caught like on day one, our second. Um, so he doesn't even have an IEP. Like, um, he's really, because the earlier you catch it and you do yeah. therapy, it just... What does it mean to be on the spectrum? So there's lots of different um, autism spectrum disorder. So you can have different... One kid with autism is not going to look like mm-hmm. the next kid with autism. And so there's varying degrees. There's there's different... Um, I think ADHD might even be on the Asperger's, spectrum. Asperger's, maybe? Yeah, I think they've... I feel like they did away with Asperger's, but yeah. So now okay. it's just called, like, Sawyer has an ASD diagnosis, my okay. oldest, and then my second has a PDD and OS. It just means, like, something's off, he's on the spectrum, but we okay. can't really put our finger on it. Okay. So um, a pervasive developmental disorder. And Thatcher, you uh-huh. caught day one. Mm-hmm. What do you do to... We we had already been doing therapy with Sawyer. Okay. Um, because Sawyer had just been diagnosed not too long before that. Okay. And so it's just, like, diet... Um, therapy, sight cards. Diet. Like we, we just, um, a lot of families, this isn't across the board, but like you take out uh, casein and gluten dyes. Mm. Um, And for our kids, it was something that worked. So, Mm -hmm. um, so Thatcher was fully talking and everything. And then just boom, the next day, no words and crying like all day, every day. What do you do? What do you do as a mama when that happens? Um, honestly, I was suicidal. And I'm, I don't, like, say that lightly. I was just, like, every night I would go to bed and I would just be, like, I can't I can't do five more minutes of this. So I don't know how I'm going to do the rest of my life. So yeah. my oldest, Sawyer at the time, he doesn't like it when we talk about this because he's such a different kid now. He's so amazing. But um, he just wasn't there. Yeah. And so we had a newborn and he'd pick our newborn up and throw him. Like he didn't see people as people. So I have this little boy biting himself or biting other people till he bleeds or banging his head. And then the other factor, like just crying all day, every day. So in the midst of that is when we moved home. So then my parents got to experience the joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that. I I can't even imagine that stress. It was, but it's amazing we made it through, and they're so, like, w- you know, the fact, I always thought, the fact that we came out of it, and both of my boys can look at me and say, I love you, and they'll hug me, like, that's something that um, lots of mamas with kids on the spectrum mm-hmm. don't get to experience, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. um, they're just, they're so amazing. You're younger, too? Mm-hmm. Um, our youngest does not have autism on an MRI. It shows that he actually has cerebral palsy, but he has no, um, nothing like 
physical. You would okay. never know. So he's in school. He's a first grader. So yeah. Yay. That's amazing. Yeah. So as far as therapy goes, um, is it just like a, a lot of like speech therapy or is it like learning type therapy? Well, we don't really do therapy anymore, but back in the day, yeah, um, yeah we did speech therapy, occupational therapy. Okay. And then at home you have like, because communication is really hard. So we have picture cards and schedules mm-hmm. and very regimented mm-hmm. and how we present things and how we transition. Structure. Yes. Um, and I remember um, just a couple summers ago, Sawyer, my oldest, said, hey, mom, it's like I don't have autism anymore. And I thought that was funny because our whole lives are set up to kind of cater. So he wouldn't know, like, he just thought this is how everyone's sure. life is. So sure. <laughs> like, oh, buddy. Um, but he's spectacular. He's a freshman at North now. So That's amazing. Yeah. You have a freshman and a first grader? Yeah. Lindsay, you have your hands full. <laughs> and a magazine and a coffee stand. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's get back to the show. Mm-hmm. Did you wish or do you wish now looking back that they would have shown some of those things? Um, yeah. I mean, not even just because people were horrible afterward, but just to get the real life picture. Like, hey, these this family has two kids with autism and we just sent them across the ocean like, let's talk about what that means for a family with autism because we don't go on vacation. I mean, we didn't at that point. Getting on an airplane, yeah. right? Oh, oh, Thatcher screamed six hours. It was a red-eye flight. He screamed six hours. I, we were that family. You were that family. <laughs> Poor Thatcher. So, um, But all of this, the, the noises that come about, like when the, mm, when the pilot comes on yeah. and the dings and the and wearing the seatbelt. Moving, moving, moving transition. It's surprise. You know, it's like... With the, with the show, everything's a surprise because they want to, like, and now we're doing this surprise. But that doesn't, that doesn't translate to happy kids. I just, you would think, <laughs> you would think that they would know that, though. Um, you know, I think they were doing the best they could to produce the show that they thought viewers wanted to see. But mm. also, I mean, they were truly, the, the family producers that we got to work with were amazing people. Yeah. So we, we made some lifelong friends. It's just, it's the name of the game. I so. get it. Well, it's all about. I mean, it really is all about the ratings. Yeah. It well, really is. And we came home. I On our way home, I was pretty frustrated because they had asked us to do some stuff as Thatcher was throwing himself against the wall. I'm like, I can't I can't go to this shoot. And they said, basically, we're building you a house. You will go to this shoot. We don't care what your kid's doing. So I came home like mama bear, like I was going to have it out. But honestly, okay, so that was ABC. That wasn't our community. That wasn't anything. I hear you. I hear you. It's okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. It is I'm ABC. Sorry. No, no, no. Okay, that was the TV station. Um. Anyway, it it, it is ABC. Okay, Extreme know, Home Makeover is on I ABC. Know, but I shouldn't have called them out like that. Anyway, they're great people. Not all of them, Lindsay. Okay, Not I'm all sorry. of them. Okay. You're fine. So Keep the going. point is, I come home and you're I'm adorable. Like, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> uh, I was so mad, and CJ, like he he was like that nervous, like babe, you're okay, babe, you're okay. Don't say anything because I was gonna say this is. I, I, we do appreciate everything, but not at the expense of our kids, you know, going... Throwing yes. himself against a wall. It was just too much, which that was everyday life, but it was just, you know, too much. So It is too much. But we get home. I'm going to cry again, sorry. But um, <laughs> we pull in in the limousine, and there's... It's like 110 outside, and there are like... There's hundreds mm-hmm. of people, mm-hmm. of our people. Of I remember. The people here. Yeah, just cheering we were, for us. Uh, we were live streaming it when this happened. Oh. And I could not believe the amount of people. And it was in the dead middle yeah. of summer. It's so hot. And I'm just going to back up for a hot second. I, I do, I really do wish, I get, I understand the show. I, I absolutely understand it. But I, I do wish we could have seen those real family mm-hmm. dynamics. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm watching... Mm-hmm a kid do what you've said your kids used Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. that would really open Mm -hmm. my eyes to what this is Mm -hmm. but I think we say that but do millions of viewers actually want to see they don't they don't so and they that's what they knew that I you know didn't know at the time exactly so I there's I mean we're so overly overly grateful it was just that melt I think I had like three or four meltdowns myself because it's mm-hmm. it's so overstimulating. It's not anything yeah. you would ever dream of. Right. So it's this m- fantastic, crazy thing, but there's also so many emotions sure. going on. Sure, sure. Um, but then to It's like winning and, the lottery. I mean, yeah. you know, you just don't expect, like, no one wants to hear you complain about winning a million dollars. Yeah. 
And that's not a, it's truly not a complaint. But I know what you're, I know what you're saying. I know where you're coming from. It's this idea of like, they just built you a house and it's like, but understand that there's a lot of stress that comes from that. So you pull up in the limo, Mm -hmm. all your kids are in the limo with you, your husband, you see all these Mm -hmm. people, you start crying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they, they pull you out and they make you wait for a while because Mm -hmm. it's whole like build up, build up, build up. Yeah. When you finally see the house. I mean, it's, there, there really aren't words. Like, it was just mind-blowing. It's yeah. better than anything I ever even imagined. Like, I feel like the people where we really, the people who did it, like, truly cared about us, and they mm-hmm. cared about what our family needed and wanted. And mm-hmm. um, it's just, like, monumental generosity. Yeah, yeah. They actually told me because I just kept hitting my um, just every room I walked into. I was just like, oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And they're like, could you stop hitting your chest because your mic's. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, but it was. It was that big for you. It was that big. How's the house now? So awesome. Is it like I um, people I don't think believe me, but you can't you got it. It's just a gift that you never. It's so big. And so I walk, like, every morning I run my hands against the walls inside because there's um, some wood texture. On my way from my bedroom to my coffee pot, I run my hands on the walls every morning just as, like, a thank you, Lord. Like, hmm. it's just the biggest that's, gift. That's so. really sweet. I really like that. I mean, clearly, I like eight years later, yeah. I'm still. <laughs> She's still crying. Here's the thing. You know what? We we moved into what I would call my dream home. Um that makes me tear up a little mm. bit. In 2016, I want to say. And there are times when I'm sitting with my coffee on my couch oh. and I just look up at the ceiling and I just go, I live here. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, you know, you got you got this house because mm-hmm. my husband and I work extremely hard. We've mm-hmm. worked extremely hard for this place. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's um, the same with you guys. You know, you have been through so much mm-hmm. and you and – you, are in this home, mm-hmm. home is where the heart is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's – my kids have broken everything. I think we're I on our gonna third ask. couch. I didn't want to ask. But... like – there's no original lamp in our house or anything. But uh. even with that, like, I just – it is. It's our it's our place. People – I mean, there's been rumors that we moved or we sold or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that, that place has my heart. And yeah. our boys are – You know, we're right there also just by my mom and my sister Mm -hmm. live on the same property. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's spectacular. Fantastic. Well, I I love the fact that um, even now you still Mm. touch part of that house. Mm -hmm. The bones are still there. You know, your kids can break sofas and lamps, but the bones are still there. exactly. And they're good. (laughs) Okay. um, Let's see if we cannot – I cannot make you cry for the rest of this podcast. Good luck. You started this, uh, you started Wild Woman, Mm -hmm. you said summer of 2018. Yes. June. Yes. Why did you start a magazine called The Wild Woman? Well, my mom and I and my friend Jenna, who all do it together, um, we had been talking about it like forever. And, you know, kind of like when I asked CJ to marry me, it was like, okay, nope, we're doing it and we're doing it now. And it was the worst time. Um, because perfect yes my mom and i uh ran ran we sold actually barnstormers vintage fair so it was yeah the first one was kind of a build-up to the show and so we were just featuring women doing amazing things in that genre of like old stuff and building stuff and risking and Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of the first one that's why it came out and then we just decided hey it would really was received well and it was beautiful that it just turned out so much better than we ever thought the magazine Mm -hmm. yeah I wish I why a magazine um well so Jenna and I have both written books and um we just love to be creative and we thought like a magazine something that you can it's it's not as big of a commitment as a book like right you can sit down and just read it all in one sitting and I feel like this is for me. So you know my past, you know, coming from having an eating disorder, I could never, I still don't actually pick up a lot of magazines because I can't, it was too much. Like looking at the pictures. Yes. yes. So um, magazines were never my thing. And I thought, what if we can make a magazine that when you sit down and you read it, you actually feel 
kind of inspired and encouraged to go out and follow your dreams mm-hmm. instead of like taking away or making you feel less than mm-hmm. that it would make you feel like oh my gosh this woman is an ordinary woman and mm-hmm. if she can do it I can do it mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. and so that was our heart and so we have several local women that we feature but also some people from um, around the country that we featured and okay yeah um and the name is changing yes so to it, the outsider yes because this has been amazing, but you know, I own the coffee stand with my husband and I have Mm -hmm. four boys and there's so many amazing men and women in our community. And, um, so basically the idea is still going to be the same. It's a storytelling magazine talking about women and men Mm -hmm. who are just ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things. Um, and so we just thought, why not brand it under the coffee? Um, that's our heart with the coffee anyway, is to love people and to tell their stories. So I love it. Yeah. I love telling people's stories. Yeah. Hence yes. this. Yes. And I love I, – I think there's different there's different points of it too. Um, when you tell someone's story, you never know what piece of their story mm-hmm. could potentially help someone else. Oh, exactly. It's – when you can have that moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, me too. Like when you hear mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. say something. Oh, for sure. It's There's power in knowing that you're not alone. For sure. For so. sure. Um, when did you start the coffee stand? It's been, I think, our, it was August. I feel like it's opened. new. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like four months old. And I'm assuming you like coffee. We love coffee. <laughs> we actually um, built a roastery onto our house. So my husband Did you? Roasts. Yeah. So, um, so my husband had a really, really good paying job and mm-hmm. he quit. And um, Why did he quit? Because we want to be just all out for Outsider. So he's roasting and um, for wow. the stand and I'm working in the stand in the mornings and we have an amazing team um you do have a really nice team like they're almost too nice like when I'm when I'm grumpy I'm just like oh stop being so nice to me but you know they're not like um I hope they're not like in your face like they're not and I say I say that I'm I'm joking (laughs) I know um because they're genuine like they're mm -hmm. genuinely Every single person that we hired, we told them our mission. Our mission is to wake people up to their greatness so they, they can love themselves mm-hmm. and change their community. Mm-hmm. Like that's, we say that over and over and over. And they, I feel like joined us because they love the mission. Yeah. So they're, they're some of my very favorite people. As long as when I pull up to a coffee stand, as long as no one looks at me and they just go, how you doing, bro? <laughs> like I'm good. I'm good. Just please don't call me bro, and then everything is fine. Because I'm, I'm sure. genuinely a very happy. I'm happy yeah. and and pretty much nice ninety eight percent of the time. Yes. So I totally feed off that yeah. energy. Just don't yeah. call me bro. Yeah. That's all I ask. I got you. I would add ma'am to that. Like, please oh don't really, call me ma'am? Yeah. We're not in the south, and I feel like. See, I'm. I am southern. Oh, you are. So it's I'm, not an. It's not offensive to you. I actually. I don't find it offensive because it was ingrained in me. Mm. Everyone is yes, ma'am, mm. no, sir. Okay. Like that. that's just, sure. if you didn't say that, you were in big trouble. Wow. You were being disrespectful. So when I see, when when someone says that to me, I, I just kind of go, that's the way they were taught. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really sweet. I should probably get behind that because I'm like, let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I mean, I've had people who have worked here and this was like two years ago and they said, yes, ma'am. And I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, homie, I, we're coworkers. Yes. You don't have to call me ma'am. Yes. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. I know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't call me ma'am, please. Mm-hmm. In this setting. I will punch you. <laughs> I will throat yes. punch you. Yes. But keep this in mind. Um, I mean, especially in the South, you would get like a spanking if you didn't say. Oh ma'am. yeah, I feel like hey, if we're in the South, yes. Mm-hmm. But oh, please you call me Miss. It they makes will me feel so good. Like when you're you, at the store and they're like, "Hey, Miss," I'm like, "I love you. Yeah, thank you." Or even better, when you go somewhere and they're like, "I'm gonna need to see your ID." Oh, yeah. I'm like, "Hallelujah! Yes, yes, I will show you my ID all yes, day long." Exactly. But I will say this: if you ever visit the South, they will ma'am it up. Okay. All day long, I'll and you just myself. have to. Yeah, you just have to like. <laughs> It's it's a good thing, but just keep this in mind. It it is a sign of disrespect mm-hmm. if if a kid does not say that. Yeah, so it's crazy. I okay. know. I'll prep. I know, but I it go. does. But anytime like a fourteen year old says like yes, ma'am, I'm just like, mm-hmm. what? That's my mama. Yeah, that is <laughs> exactly. not me. Exactly. That is not me. Um. So, where do you get your beans from? Um. 
So we mostly use, we have a broker, and so we, okay. we use South American, Central American beans, and then we get green beans and my hubby roasts them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, beans are a big deal. Mm-hmm. Coffee beans are a big deal. Mm-hmm. And there's a, I know there's a lot of research that can go into that mm-hmm. and where you get them from mm-hmm. and the sustainable sourcing mm-hmm. of beans. Was mm-hmm. that a big deal for you guys? I mean, it's definitely important because you want to make sure that you're not contributing to anything that's hurting right. people. So we found actually through a friend who owned a coffee business, we found a really reputable guy. He actually took, we're going to go at some point, but he took our friend to Guatemala to meet the farmers. And awesome. um, so we definitely, that is important to us. But what where we differ is I think so many people are so proud of their coffee and that's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but we are people first. So yeah, we have really great coffee, but yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you all the like, scientifically all the stuff you do because we just our hearts are to say here's a really good cup of coffee but Mm -hmm. by the way like we're more interested in your heart and Mm -hmm. who you are and what you're doing and so for us coffee is just kind of a means to connect with people Mm -hmm. and it's real real good it's good i like it how do you like your coffee uh i am a six shot girl i just like six shots but i'm trying to six shots that yeah. And once a day, six shots or I'm trying to cut down to that. Like I would do six shots and then like somebody, if they ordered an extra shot and there was just one lonely shot sitting there, I would take it, but I got to stop. So you need I'm, to stop. I got to, I'm yeah. worried about your heart. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Otherwise I'm a, um, Americano. I okay. Just like okay. I'm boring. No, no milk, no cream, no sugar. I mean, I would take some half and half from time to mm-hmm. time, but no. Hmm. Yeah, I'm boring. No, that's not yeah. boring. Um, our coffee in the morning is just a good coffee with heavy heavy cream, mm-hmm. and that's oh, yeah. how we, that's that how I drink good. it. Yeah. yeah, and then I'm a cold brew girl oh, with yeah. nothing in it, mm-hmm. just black cold mm-hmm. brew. Oh yeah, so you do know. Mm, mm-hmm. I do know. Mm-hmm. It's that feeling about an hour after you've mm-hmm. had half of your cold brew, mm-hmm. and you're just like, I'm on top of the world. I can do anything. I can do anything. <laughs> it's our crack. Yeah, it is our <laughs> crack. Um, we're going to wrap up and get okay. to the final three, but tell everybody where the Outsider Coffee Stand is. Uh, it's on the corner of 4th and Bartlett, 232 North Central, and it's also in the parking lot of the Elks building, which is where... I did not realize you had yes. two. No, no. It's the same one. It's just... It's in the parking lot of oh. the Elks. <laughs> sorry. I haven't had my coffee this morning. <laughs> so, sorry. So, it's in the parking lot of the Elks building which on is the corner of 4th, 4th and Bar- Bartlett. And no, it's central. It's fourth and central. central. I should know my. <laughs> We've only been in business four months. I'll learn right. my address at some point. It's okay. And open when? What are your hours? Uh, six to six. Six to six. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when can we see this magazine come out as The Outsider? I'm saying June. Okay. I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. We've just recorded that. Woo! Yeah. That has been recorded yes. in June. Um, and this is quarterly? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Well, nice job on thanks. all of this. Thank and you. And thank you for sharing your stories with me. Yeah, thanks for listening to me cry. It's imp- <laughs> Any day. It's important. It's important uh-huh. stuff, right? Uh, let's get to the final three. Okay. Best advice you've ever been given. Uh, my mom told me one time when I was complaining about someone who had hurt my feelings and I was feeling justified and not being kind back, she said, Lindsay, shut up and love. And so that's Mm. kind of what I carry. And I feel like it's shaped so much of what we do is to just shut up and love people. Dang. mm -hmm. That's good, mom. Yeah. She's awesome. That's brutal. (laughs) It's a little like, you know, very strong. Yes. Very abrupt, but also Mm -hmm. very, very sweet and very kind. Yep. Yeah. If you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, what would bring you back here? What would you miss the most? Oh, I mean, truly, I would say this even without having a house built by our community, but we live in the best community. Mm -hmm. Like the people here, they have the most incredible stories and the way that they love each other and support each other. And they want, like they want the Valley to be special. Mm -hmm. I'm just learning that more and more and more. And so I would miss the community, but also just the mountains, Lake of the Woods. Oh man. Yeah. It weirds me out when I'm ever in a place that doesn't have mountains. I know. I just feel oh, like, I feel a little unsafe. No, thanks. Um, final meal, final drink. What would that look like? Pizza. Pizzas. What kind of pizza? My just... love language. Um, I don't know. Anything from Kaleidoscope, but really just the bread <laughs> and the cheese. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. And then probably a, 
a glass of wine. I mean, there's oh. so many great wineries around here. There really so, are. Yeah. Yeah. Any coffee that day? Oh, coffee. Oh, shoot. I should have probably said coffee. You'd probably, on your final day, <laughs> I could see you probably wake up with your six shots. Yes. Uh-huh. And then just pizza. Pizza all day. Pizza and wine. Yep. Wash it down with wine. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that is a perfect Friday night, in my opinion. I think so. Um, you've been a lot of fun. Thanks for Thank being you. here. I think you hold the record for <laughs> the most, the most uh, moments of crying. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. I love it. You just put your heart out there. It is definitely out there. Good. So, yeah. Good. That's. I think that's a good way to live. All right, Lindsay McPhail, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple's podcast app and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We're also on Stitcher and Google Play and on YouTube. Speaking of video version, you can find the video portion of this at ktvl.com. Just click on features. Once again, Lindsay McPhail, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you for having me.